Our lesson this morning comes from the 22nd chapter of the book of the Revelation, and I'm going to read selected verses uh, of the section from the 12th verse down to the 21st verse. See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay according to everyone's works. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let everyone who hears say, come. Let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes to take the water of life as a gift. The one who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. There's a southern tradition known as Decoration Day. Decoration Day in southern churches evolved into what we now know as Memorial Day. It started out just, um, well, if, if a church had a cemetery, the church would take usually the last weekend of May, would have a service, and then there would be a dinner on the grounds, and church members would go in to the cemetery and decorate the graves. I remember the first time I participated in one of those, it was at the Mount Moriah Church. Arcadia and Mount Moriah were on a charge together, and the Arcadia Church went second in the worship order, and they told me on this particular Sunday now, preacher, We're going to shorten the service so you can get back out to Mount Moriah and start their Decoration Day service. And I said, well, what do I have to do at Decoration Day service? They said, oh, it's easy. All you got to do is pray and eat. I said, I think I can handle that. So I went to Arcadium, had the service, shortened version thereof, got in the car and went back up to Mount Moriah. Lord, when I arrived at Mount Moriah, the, the, the people were lined up against the wall of the church, two and three deep, waiting for me. And it was just, I was thrilled to see that many people. And behind me, toward the cemetery, were about seven or eight of the official eight-foot tables that Jesus wants all churches to have. They're eight feet long, they're three feet wide, and if you grab them right, a seminary student can carry two of them at the same time. I know that because I got a B in the class entitled uh, Table and Chair Carrying in Seminary. There the table was with food. I mean, everything in the world was on those tables. Fried chicken, ham, Somebody had shot something the night before and had taken the feathers off. It was roasted and on the table. I wasn't sure what it was. Desserts, all the desserts they had 
They had the banana pudding, the old-fashioned southern banana pudding that you cook in the oven with meringue on top of uh, it. Was, it was there. The vegetables were in the garden that morning, and it had been picked and cut and brought to the potluck. So it just tables, all that 56 feet at least of wall-to-wall nothing but food. Crowds behind me. Tables are right here. I made a strategic error. I said, let us pray. As you imagine this, do you see where I am? Congregation is there. The food is here. And I'm the idiot in the middle. And I prayed. God, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this food in Jesus' name. And you have to breathe in to say amen. Or in the southern vernacular, amen. It's amen if you've been to music school. It's amen otherwise. I'm sucking the air in and I get the word a is not out yet. And the crowd goes, men. Knock me down nearly to get to the food. Wanted to be the first in line at the fried chicken. I learned. I learned subsequent years, I put the table between me and the people. And so I was close to the table. And when I sat down, I sat down at the end of the table with the banana pudding. Because I wanted to be close to the banana pudding that was cooked and had meringue on top of it. My wife's looking at me like, no, I will never make that ever in your lifetime nor in mine because banana pudding cannot be cooked. And I listened to the families talk about their loved ones who were in that cemetery. The stories they told about the lives they lived, the things they loved to do, the things they were imagining the people were doing, and I hope they're doing it. When we go to heaven, I hope I get to fish and play golf and read books. I even want to play the piano when I get there. I took piano lessons, would practice at home at night. My Labrador Retriever, every time I hit the D above middle C, the the lab started howling at me. And it just, you know, you can't practice if you got a critic in the room. I want you to do what you want to do when you get to be in God's presence in God's kingdom because I'm make a case for what heaven is really like. So that was decoration day and, and Memorial Day became a time where we honored not only our loved ones who passed, but we honored the soldiers that had died, both in service and those who made it through life and had died at a ripe old age. In 2005, um, Chase Edwards graduated from Barb High School in Lake Charles. Now, remember that we were talking to the seniors about, you know, what are you going to do now? And Chase said, well, I'm going to Camp Lejeune. I'm going to boot camp. Everybody kind of looked at Chase and, okay, I mean, Chase was like the smartest one in the class, the tallest one in the class, most handsome one in the class. He's going to camp with June, going to become a Marine. Okay, Chase. 
We're happy for you. And he goes on, I just want to serve my country. Next time I saw Chase was the Christmas Eve service of 2005, and there he stood in his dress blues in church. Man, there's nothing quite like seeing a Marine in his dress blues in a Christmas Eve service. It was April of 2006. I got a phone call from a Marine chaplain. He said, we need to have you go to the Edwards home. We've got to share some bad news. Chase had, after that Christmas Eve service, had gone to Iraq where he had been killed in an explosion. He died on April the 6th, 2006, at the age of 19. Did you know that when a Marine dies and his or her body is laying in state, that two Marines stay with the body the whole time? That he laid in state in their church and the Marines were rotating in and out the whole time Chase was there. And I stole the conclusion of my funeral meditation from Tony Campalo's book, It's Friday, But Sunday's a Coming, when Campalo talks about the, the preachers who were preaching on Good Friday. And he said, and one preacher got up, by the way, it was the Good Friday service that lasts six hours. One preacher got up and for 45 minutes, his sermon was, that was Friday, but Sunday's a coming. It was Friday and the Pharisees were chomping at the bit. They had Jesus where they wanted him. But Sunday's a coming. It was Friday and my Jesus was hanging on the cross, but that was Friday. Sunday's a coming. And he went on for 45 minutes just like that. And that's how I finished Chase's funeral meditation. And always a service that involves honor guard at the grave is moving time, but this was something else. Because I knew him and knew the family. You see, Decoration Day became Memorial Day, became the, ho the holiday that kicks off the summer vacation now. And we've separated it from its meaning. We've separated it and removed it from that which it really started to be. A reminder that those lives are precious to us, but also a statement of our hope and faith that life goes on. So when I come to Memorial Day and I put out the flag, I think of Chase. And when I get to Memorial Day and I, I think about Methodist churches, I think about the banana pudding sitting there. And I think about that's what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be just a big, long potluck, eternal event. 
We're going to be in the presence of those we love. We're going to be in the presence of Jesus. We're going to be physically made whole. We're going to emotionally be made whole. We are going to be what God originally created us and intended us to be. We're going to be in a place of no more darkness, no more night, no more sin. There are no locks in heaven. There's no need to lock a door or lock a window when you get there. And that's what I think about when I think about Decoration Day. And when I read this passage from Revelation, it's from the end of the book. We never read the end of the Revelation. We never get there. We wear ourselves out with all the other stuff that's before that. We wear ourselves out with trumpets and scrolls and angels and disasters and destruction. We, we just, we love that stuff, man. It's a perverse love, but we love it. Do you know how I know we love it? Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins wrote 16 volumes of the Left Behind series. The thesis of the Left Behind series was Jesus comes and he raptures the church up. (laughs) Takes us to heaven. Church is no more. We're gone up to heaven and the rest of the people get to go through the tribulation. <laughs> Let's read all the ready things that's going to happen to the rest of the people that are left here. <laughs> and when the, the Left Behind series came out in the early part of the 21st century, the nuts came out. I had this one guy show up in Lake Charles came and sat down in my office. He had a Bible much bigger than mine is. It was all ready and and bent up and had notes out of every end of it. And His suit looked like he had put it on in 1947 and it had not been off of him nor to the dry cleaner since 1947. Sat down in my office and said, I'm the prophet Gabriel. Don't get lots of prophets in my office. So, I, yes, sir. Prophet Gabriel said, I am here because the Lord God Almighty told me to stop here and speak to you. Looked at my little name thingy on my desk. Brother Doug, I'm not going to try your last name because God hasn't told me how to pronounce it. But I'm here to speak to you because God has told me that I'm supposed to preach in your church to tell them the secret of when Jesus is coming back. Boy, I leaned in because that's information I want to know when Jesus is coming back. I want a 15-minute head start, okay? All I need is 15 minutes to confess a whole bunch of sins that took place back in the 70s. Then I'm good to go. I said, well, how do you want to do this? I want to preach to your church. I want to teach in Sunday school classes. You just get me a crowd because the Lord God Almighty has told me to come here and he's told me that I am to deliver this message to your church. I said, well, why don't you tell me? Oh, brother, I can't tell you. You might tell the church and God doesn't trust you with the secret. Okay, Prophet Gabriel, I have a question for you. How much is it going to cost me to have the secret revealed to my church? He said $150. I said, nope. 
Well, if that's too much, the Lord can lay on my heart a different number. I said, no. Tell you what, Kirkman Street's right out my door. Why don't you not let my door hit you on the backside on the way out of my office? You're turning me down? Yes, I'm turning you down, Prophet Gabriel, because I don't think you're a prophet. I think you're a charlatan. God is going to strike you dead in nine months. Let's see. That was 18 years ago. I'm still here. That's the kind of insanity you get with the book of the Revelation. People come out of the woodwork. They've got their rapture charts. They've got their TV preachers. They've got their podcasts. They've got their radio preachers. All the stuff they've listened to. They've told them, we are living in the last day. We are living in the last day. We've been living in the last day since the cross of Jesus Christ. But we have this whole escapism that wants to take the church out of here so we don't have to deal with the world as it really is. Listen, the book of the Revelation was written to people who would walk into church. Well, they wouldn't walk in. They they were hiding out. But if the Romans found out you were worshiping, they were likely to snatch you up and haul you away and your family would never know where you went. They would shut down your business and burn down your business and maybe take your family with them. They didn't care. They just didn't want you worshiping Jesus. That's the audience to which the book of the Revelation is written. It's written to people who are living in hard times, in perilous times, in times where they could lose their lives for their faith. The book of the Revelation says, you can do it. There's no escapism in the book of the Revelation. There's no rapture in the book of the Revelation. As a matter of fact, there's no rapture in the New Testament. That's the good old American myth where the hero comes in and rescues the damsel. Jesus is going to take the church out of the world to save us from what? Or Brother Doug, the Great Tribulation. Nineteen kids were shot to death in Texas. And that's not the great tribulation. The leading cause of death for children under 18 becomes gunshot wounds. And that's not the great tribulation. We live in a crazy world. Have you noticed? We live in a dangerous world. Have you not heard? And the Bible says that's the way life is after the fall of humanity. After Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, those are the consequences of what Adam and Eve did. The Bible says, don't look away from it. 
Name it, be aware of it, and claim Jesus. The wise men go to Herod and say, look, we've followed this star. Where's he that's born king of the Jews? And Herod says, I don't know. But when Herod finds out that Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem, and when Herod finds out the wise men have been traveling two years, what does Herod do? It's part of the Christmas story that we never tell. Herod says to his soldiers, go into Bethlehem, and all those two years are younger. Dispatch them. You and I live in a sinful world. You and I live where human beings make sinful, selfish choices. And the Bible says God is with us in those choices. God is with us as we live through that. God is with us and will not abandon us and will not leave us. So rather than looking at the 21st and 22nd chapter where we're promised a new heaven and a new earth, where God makes all things new, where God says, look, I'm going to put you in a place, the sea is no more, you don't have to worry about chaos, I've taken care of chaos, I'm going to make, I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to wipe away every tear from your eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning, crying, and pain will be no more. The first, the former things have passed away. I'm making all things new. We would like to focus in on all the noise of disaster and not ever get to reading the hope. Why do we do that? Just go ahead and read chapters 21 and 22. You'll feel better. Because you find out interesting things at the end of the book of the Revelation. Do you know what's at the end of the book of the Revelation? The tree of life. The tree of life appears in Genesis 3 and reappears in Revelation 22. God restores that which human sinfulness broke. God fixes the relationship. God fixes the relationship with human beings, with creation. God makes all things new. I have to remind myself of that from time to time, that I don't live here. I'm just passing through. That one day, God's going to call me home. I don't know what you're going to do with my old body. I hope somebody will come to my grave for decoration day. Please have some banana pudding while you're sitting there talking about old brother Doug. I'm not going to be there. I've gone on to glory. Not because I'm a preacher, not because I'm a Methodist, not because I'm a particularly good person, because I'm not, but because of Jesus Christ. Because I've put my faith in Jesus Christ that no matter how dark the day, no matter how heinous the sin or crime, my hope is in Christ. He's my rock, He's my anchor. He's the one I trust.
the rest of it. It's the first church, first 20 chapters of the book of Revelation. Just take me to chapter 21 and 22 and let's call it done. That's going to be our decoration day when God calls us all home and makes us new. You remember decoration day tomorrow. Tomorrow when you got your family, when you got your friends when you're about to take a bite out of that hamburger that you've already had two of anyway and you don't need a bite out of that third when you remember that Memorial Day started with southern churches that wanted to honor their dead but also wanted to look with hope to the lives they're living in the presence of Jesus Christ. Would you stand and pray with me? God, we thank you that this is not our homes that we are just passing through. And as pilgrims, we know that the journey concludes on the other side. And we pray, God, that as we journey, as we make life's voyage, that we will feel the Spirit of Jesus Christ walking with us in each and every step and moment. Give us assurance. Give us hope. Give us strength for this perilous journey. We pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.